0: Well, last week we looked at the 2,500 year old prophecy of Ezekiel and Zechariah. These prophecies validated the archaeological finds that we even shared about the Dead Sea Scrolls that were found in 1947 in the Qumran Caves. Proven and proving that the nation of Israel, the modern day miracles, you heard from the team that came up here, we saw the absolute miracles that are occurring. We read them out of scripture. Get the picture, 2,500 years ago, this old crazy prophet Ezekiel prophesied that the streets of Jerusalem, that Israel would once again flow as a nation. Traffic jams, people bustling in the streets, the desert blossoming as a, as a, we saw all of it. The rivers running in the desert, we had to pull our bus out of there because the, the river washed out the road. Come on, we saw all the miraculous. So these are all prophesied. So this fulfillment of these prophecies Jerusalem would no longer be trodden down by the Gentiles, Luke 21, 24, Jesus himself. Israel took back Jerusalem in the Six-Day War, 1967. Now Jerusalem is the capital, recognized by our nation and several. We spoke of the amazing preparation of Israel has been made for the building of the third temple. We went into the temple location where they had this museum of all the parts and pieces of the new temple. We know that the Sanhedrin now has been formed, the 70 rabbis. There's an article. You can go on. Look up red heifer and pull it up. The red heifer has been born, and the Temple Institute announcement, and I quote, an entirely red female calf has now been born, paving the way for the establishment of the temple service and the marking of the final stage of redemption. Second coming of Christ. First coming from their point of view. One scripture shared from 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3, that the man of sin will be revealed. He will sit in the temple of God claiming himself to be God. Man, based on all these culminating events, we need to look more closely at what's coming. And then Paul warned us, there is an age of the Antichrist, and I believe the door is cracked open right now we're going to look at some of these things prophetically, but I want to just share out of Greg Laurie's article. It's like, come on, this is like, I like it when he says, when I first became a Christian back in the 70s, lots of people were talking about the return of Christ. Top-selling book was the late Great Planet Earth. I remember Hal Lindsey's book. I like, whoa, he's coming, right? Then you see all the bumper stickers, Maranatha, Jesus is coming, in case of rapture, this car will be left unmanned. You ever see those, right? Well, that was 40 years ago. I've gone through quite a few Jesus is coming bumper stickers since then, Lowry says. But was my host displaced? Did I get it wrong? Did we misread the sign of the times? Not at all. God is not late. The Lord returns to earth at the appointed hour. He's predetermined the counsels of eternity, but there are many reasons why Jesus didn't come in the '70s. Consider this: millions and millions of men, women, boys and girls have come since Jesus in the 70, have come to Jesus since the '70s. And the Bible reminds us in 2 Peter 3:9, the Bible says, the Lord isn't really slow about His promise to return. As some of you might think, no, He's patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to perish so that he gives us more time for everyone to repent. Well, the Lord is coming. We will be caught up together with him in the air. In all of this, of course, we believe that it's on the verge of what's coming. Why do I believe this? Because all around me, the sign of the times, one of the super signs of the last day was the gathering of the nation of Israel into its ancient homeland. This happened against all the odds. Nations and people come from all over. Jesus says, this generation, this is in Matthew twenty-four, thirty-four, and in Luke twenty-one, Jesus red letter says, Jesus says, This generation that sees this happening will not pass away until all these things have been fulfilled. So how long is a generation? I don't know. But nineteen forty seven to now? It's a little longer. Once the Jewish people returned to their homeland in 19, May 14th of 1948, the prophetic clock started. The Bible not only says the Lord will gather the Jews back to their homeland, but he says Jerusalem will end up as the source of cl- conflict in the end times. That was part of my sermon last week. What's interesting to me is that on May 14th, 1948, Israel did not even possess Jerusalem. In fact, it didn't happen until the Six-Day War in 1967. When the Israeli forces captured the old city. Now we see that turmoil is continuing. He says, what is Israel's future? Well, we can look back now and see all of the prophecies that have been fulfilled. Let's put a check next to those. In the big search of what God has predicted, the Bible says, Israel be scattered to the four corners of the earth. Did that happen? Check. They will be gathered back as a nation to one people groups. Check. Israel will regain the city of Jerusalem. Check. Israel will be isolated from all the other nations. Is this happening? Check. Israel will be attacked by a nation from the north bent on her destruction. Remember the sermon from last week? Who was those that I I considered we ought to look at due north of Moscow is who? Russia or Turkey? Now Rao says it's Moscow. And here's what he and I've heard this through other prophecies and all their Uh, commentaries. He says this, Israel will be attacked in that latter day. When you see Jerusalem surrounded by the enemies, you'll know that the desolation of desecration is is very much at hand. Well, let's look at why he believes that. Why does he believe that Magog refers, this is in that Ezekiel prophecy from last week, why does he believe it's modern-day Russia? The reasoning goes like this, Magog was the second son of Noah's son, Japheth, who according to ancient historian Josephus, settled in the north in the Black Sea. Now, what's going on in the Black Sea this week? Ukraine. Right? There's all, yesterday, this whole thing, our president didn't even meet with Putin because he said, look, Ukraine has come, and they've, they've, they killed several Ukrainian sailors, captured them, took them as hostage. There's all this stuff going on. Right now, I heard this morning that Russia is massing troops along the, that, that border. Well, he goes on, he says, Tubal and Meshech also mentioned in Ezekiel 38, were the fifth and sixth son of Japheth, who were descendants who also settled in the south of the Black Sea. These tribes intermarried and became known as Magog. They settled in the north of Israel in Ezekiel 39 two, God says, I will turn you back and drive you from your northern parts and bring you against the mountains of Israel. When we look at these, I shared this last week. Who were the allies? Ethiopia, which is modern-day Sudan. Libya and Persia, modern-day Iran. These Islamic cultures all have decided at that point they're going to come against Israel. Paul warns that this will happen until all the, gen- the fullness of the Gentiles has been fulfilled. He goes on in Romans eleven twenty five. Paul says, "I don't want you to be ignorant of the mystery, brothers, lest you, by your own estimation, for your partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles." Has come in. In other words, the partial hardening will endure until the last Gentile person finally believes in Jesus, and then we're gone, raptured. We will meet the Lord in the air and be with him forever. Well, so that means when these things and these events begin to happen, you need to look up, for your redemption is drawing nigh. Luke 21 28. Rapture's reality. When we speak of the rapture of the church, there are those who would say, the word rapture isn't even in the Bible. Maybe not, but the event certainly is. 1 Thessalonians four sixteen to 17, we'll look at that in your, in your outline in a minute, says, "...for the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord." He goes on, Jesus says, the phrase, receive you means taken up by force. Matthew 24, 40 through 42, Jesus says, two will be in the field, one will be taken, the other will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken, the other will be left. Watch, therefore, you do not know the hour that the Lord will come. John addresses this as well in 1 John 3, 2, beloved, now we are the children of God and has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Paul speaks of this also in 1 Corinthians 15, 51 through 52. Listen, I will tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, in the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed Now imagine this for a moment. In an instant, all over the world, millions of believers caught up to meet him in the air. Let's just briefly consider the effects of the rapture will have on all of us. The rapture means no death. Can I get an amen on that? The rapture is instantaneous. One one thousandth of a second. Boom. Changed. That's going to... How's that look? Can you tell me somebody else who was raptured in the scriptures? Enoch was caught up with God, never to see death, right? So it's not so strange. The rapture is a transformation. In that moment, God will give a brand new resurrected body. Can I get an amen on that? Hallelujah. Woo, what's that going to look like? Rippled, you know, man. All right, let me get carried away. Number four, the rapture will be a rescue operation. The rapture will be a stealth event. The second coming will be a very public event. In the rapture, we will meet the Lord in the air. In the second coming, he returns to earth. In the rapture, he comes for his church. In the second coming, he returns with his church. In the rapture, he comes before the judgment. In the second coming, he comes with judgment. Well, how should this affect us today? How should I respond to these truths? Very simply, we need to walk with God. We have a great Old Testament prophet, Enoch, who was carried away, walked with God. It says he walked with God and God took him. Genesis 5 24. As you have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk with him. Colossians 2. Here the thing just walk with God. Don't be in a big hurry, be regular, be consistent. Be disciplined enough to maintain your relationship. That was really one of our prophetic messages this morning in pre-service prayer. Take time. Take intimacy. Walk implies steady effort, speaks of regularity, doing the same things over and over again. You just stay day by day, hour by hour, moment by moment, be consistent. Jesus is coming back, and it could happen this month, this week or today? That's a great article. I just, uh, I love Greg Laurie. I've listened to him for many years and I just like, yay, God! We... So, so let me ask you to pull out your outline and I'm going to just give you another, I think, message. I've befriended years ago and he's been here, he'll be here again. I'm not going to use his name, but a rabbi in Jerusalem connected up with him again. He's been here several times. Um, but Rabbi has been sending me articles. It's been great. We've been emailing back and forth, and uh, he'll probably come here in the spring, I think. But he sent this thing about the earthquake in Alaska. And, uh, of course, it was pretty devastating and not, not an unusual event for that. But he says, I want you to think about what's really going on. First of all, one of the signs, Jesus said, is earthquakes in diverse places. Well, the seismologists, I knew they were increasing, but I didn't know it to this extent. The earth is being shaken. Isaiah spoke of that. Of course, Hebrews said everything can be shaken won't be shaken. Incredibly, Rabbi writes, as I write this, in the last 24 hours, there has been a violent, shaking, unprecedented major earthquakes, to be exact. 563 of them. Last night, on November 30th, 2018, a 7.0 shook Alaska, followed by dozens of aftershocks. Incredibly, over the last seven days, there have been 1,214 earthquakes worldwide. Again, I repeat and ask you to consider, in just the past 24 hours, there's 563 earthquakes. The, the prophet Isaiah, he prophesied some of the shaking, Isaiah 24. And then I have a map of all the locations where the seismologists are plotting this. And it's like, whoa, a lot of fault lines and what's coming. In fact, it goes on, and they, the seismologists now believe that the massive earthquakes that have happened, remember the Japanese earthquake that occurred, also the, uh, has shifted the earth's rotation. Worldly events that involve the movement of mass effects. In fact, they say that Japan moved eight feet during that last major earthquake. Remember the Scripture in he- when King Hezekiah asked uh, uh, for the sun to stand still? <laughs> that was 40 minutes. They've proven that that somehow somewhere in the past which we know it is God the sun stood still for 40 minutes some of these earthquakes are recovering <laughs> and the earth's rotation and the positioning of the axis of the earth is being affected and that could be affecting some of the climate this is what they're saying is that obviously you, you got to study yourself but so what's the point god is shaking everything that can be shaken and these little prophecies that are kind of stuck away in here is like Oh, all right, let's, uh, let's turn. I want us, first of all, part of my role as a watchman is to make sure that you are educated on the revelation. When you start to see these things happen, you go back into the archives of revelation and the Spirit and say, oh, and that. what is that? Why? Why is that important? Why is it important for us to know prophetically what's coming? Does it motivate you? It ought to motivate you. It ought to get you excited to talk to other people about what's coming. Because literally, you have to be be ignorantly brain dead to not read the scriptures in Ezekiel and Zechariah and say, he prophesied these things. They are now unfolding before us. How could that not be fulfilled? He also said, when you get it 90% right, do you believe the 10% ought to get Right? And how do I say, whoa, so when that's coming, he said, watch out. When Jesus said, when you see these things begin to happen, watch out. Your redemption is nigh. Now we've said, well, we've heard the story of the rapture. Maybe you've been a Christian a long time. And don't get unexcited. It could happen just like that. And we're going to look at the Scriptures because when that happens, oh, boy, you don't want to be here. All right, turn with me to 2 Thessalonians. In chapter 2. now I told you, I don't know. I used to be a pre-tribber. I think that was more like, let's get the heck out of here. I don't know if we're mid-tribbers, post-tribbers. I just know it's all going to pan out, right? I have this pantheology. It's all going to pan out. Jesus said so. So, but I do want to be on the first train out of here. All right, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1. Events prior to the Lord's Second Coming is the title in the New Living Translation. Now, dear brothers and sisters, remember, Paul is writing this to the fledgling church in Thessalonica, who had a lot of confusion about, well, we might have missed the rapture already. He said, No, you didn't. In fact, he reminds them that he spoke, this was so important, he spoke to the fledgling church about it, and he reminds them that I spoke to you about this. Now, brothers and sisters. Let us clarify some things about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and how we will be gathered to meet Him. Don't be so easily shaken or alarmed by those who say that the day of the Lord has already begun. Don't believe them, even if they claim to have some spiritual vision, a revelation, or a letter supposedly from us. Don't be fooled by what they say. For that day will not come until there is a great rebellion against God and the man of lawlessness is revealed. The one who brings destruction. Now there's a lot of references around that. Daniel spoke of the son of perdition. Jesus prophesied it in Matthew 24. When you see the abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. Your redemption is right. So, We'll look at that maybe in a few minutes. When the man of lawlessness is revealed, the one who brings destruction, verse 4, he will exalt himself and defy everything that people call God and every object of worship. This is what triggered me when I was sitting in the temple preparation museum. And I said, this scripture came to my mind. If he's gonna sit in the temple then there needs to be a temple. I wasn't so wound up about the third temple, but I've gotten a little wound up about the third temple. He will even sit in the temple of God claiming that he himself is God. Now, I'm not saying that's it. It could be another temple, but, boy, it certainly <laughs> looks like it. Verse 5, don't you remember that I told you all this when I was with you? And you know, now listen, look at this verse. Verse 6. And you know what is holding him back, for he can be revealed only when his time comes. For this lawlessness is already at work secretly. It will remain secret. Boy, it doesn't seem to be secret. It will remain secret until the one who is holding it back steps out of the way. Then the man of lawlessness will be revealed. But the Lord himself will kill him with the breath of his mouth and destroy him by the splendor of his coming. This man will come to do the work of Satan with counterfeit power and signs and miracles. He will use every kind of evil deception to fool those who are on their way to destruction because they refuse to love and accept The truth that would save them. So God will cause them to be greatly deceived and they will believe these lies. Then they will be condemned for enjoying evil rather than believing in the truth. Lots to unpack there about signs that are coming. So we see, now I want you to look at your outline for a minute. He goes on and says, let no one deceive you by any means, for this day will not come unless the falling away comes first. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshiped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Second Thessalonians, that's out of the New King James Version. So let's look at the events prior to the second coming, and let's see... How many of these might be close? The Scriptures revealed the Antichrist is coming. Why don't you turn with me to 1 John. John the Revelator, late, late in his years, all the rest of the church has already been, the leaders have been martyred. He's about ready to write the book of Revelation. And now in 1 John, he writes this. Let's look at 1 John chapter 2. In verse 18, don't you get this picture of this old grandpa kind of guy, John, the one whom Jesus loved? <laughs> he writes that in John himself, right? Yes. He says, you just get this, old, this picture of this guy who's seen so much of it, who saw the revelation, saw the resurrection, was there for all the events, looked at the crucifixion. Jesus gave him his mother. And so this is this play, this old statesman, this great apostle. He sits down and he writes Let's pick up in verse 18, 1 John 2, 18. Dear children, love that. The last hour is here. See, a second with the Lord is, (laughs) what's a day with the Lord, a thousand years? It's like, these two thousand, that was like two days ago. John writes, the hour is here. You've heard that the Antichrist is coming. And already many such Antichrists have appeared. For this, we know that the last hour has come. These people left our churches, but they never really belonged with us. Otherwise, they would never—they would have stayed with us. When they left, it proved they didn't belong with us. It's wild. But you're not like that. The Holy One has given you the, His Spirit, and all of you know the truth. So I'm writing to you because you know—you don't need to know the truth because you have—you know the difference between truth and lies. Now, who's a liar? Anyone who says that Jesus is not the Christ is a liar. Whew. Anyone who denies the Father and the Son is an Antichrist. Hello, get the definition? Anyone who denies the Father and the Son is an Antichrist. You stand in the temple, Miss Nancy, you told me this, I think, once. If you stand in the temple mount, what's printed around the upper ceiling? Anybody ever seen it? Neil's probably seen it. We're There is no father, therefore there is no son. It's in the Dome of the Rock. If there is no father, therefore there is no son. No wonder Ishmael was such a, there's such a father-broken relationship. And there's this need, but it says anyone who denies the father doesn't have the son either. So verse 23, anyone who denies the son doesn't have the father either, but anyone who acknowledges the son has the father also. So you must remain faithful. He lives within you. You don't need anyone to teach you. You live as children of God. Back to the outline. There are many Antichrists. Well, can you name a few Antichrists in our day? Jim Jones? David David Koresh. Sun Yat Moon. These are characters who said, I'm God. And look at the destruction. Just look at the fruit that came out of their lives, the lack of it. Well, we look at this Antichrist. So anyone who denies Christ who says there is no son, there is no father, Jesus is not the Christ. They're Antichrists and they're liars and they're very deceptive. And so we need to be very aware, not that we would be angry at people who don't believe that. I I talk to atheists and agnostics all the time. Well, let's go on. It says, the Scriptures reveal that the Antichrist is this one, the Antichrist. Now, in 2 Thessalonians you're talking about the antichrist is the one who engineers Satan's final onslaught against Christ and the saints just before Christ establishes his kingdom. Well, let's look at some of the verses here. Signs of his coming, the antichrist coming. The secret power of lawlessness and evil will increase and the love of many will grow cold. Turn with me to Matthew 24. Scripture we've looked at in the past, I haven't looked at it much this year, but certainly in the past when you look at what Jesus, sitting there on the Mount of Olives, overlooking, we've been there, it's such a beautiful, amazing place, on the Mount of Olives where Jesus prophesies when they say, he tells them, you know, not not one of these stones will be left. Well, he goes on, he says, sin will be ramped. Let's look at this. Let's pick up as so much of it. It's like, I've got... I've got 14 listed signs here, but I won't go through all of them. But let's just look at that. There will be uh, false messiahs, verse 5. Many will come and deceive many. Wars, rumors of wars, don't panic. Nation will go against nation. Famines, earthquakes in many parts of the world. You'll be arrested, persecuted, killed. You'll be hated. The world will betray and hate each other. Many false prophets will rise. Sin will be rampant everywhere. The love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. The gospel will be preached throughout the whole world. I've lost track of how many TBN satellites are now running. I think it's 24. But they're bombarding all over the world. When I was in Israel, I was interviewed by uh, uh, Josh Reinstein on Daystar. He says, we're now in 131 nations and a 30 million a 30 million population listens to us, audience. And so when you look at it, this, this prophecy is, right now we know. We, we can look at CNN. We can look at Fox News. We can look at the BBC. We see live what's going on. There's another fulfillment. He goes on in verse 15. The day is coming when you will see what Daniel the prophet spoke about, that the sacrilegious object that causes desecration standing In the holy place, reader, pay attention. King James says, when you see these things coming, pay attention. Those who read, let them understand, the King James says. Now, that's interesting. Kind of insert right there. Understand the sacrilegic object that causes desecration. Now, we know. Now, Jesus wrote this. Just before his crucifixion, sitting on the Mount of Olives, he tells all the apostles, they recorded in Luke 21, Luke, the Gospel of Luke, Dr. Luke records it. We know Matthew 24, so Matthew writes it in 24. And we also know in Mark 13, Mark writes it. Look at the corollary of all those things. These are prophetic words by Jesus said these are the signs. Why was it so important? They get it and three times it's written because it's important. And he says, he goes on and says, but you ought to understand. He also says, pay attention. Understand the revelation of the sacrilegious object that stands in this holy place. Then there will be a greater anguish, verse 21, than ever before that the world has ever seen. And if it wasn't for the grace, not a single person would survive. We talked about nuclear war last week. I believe Zechariah prophesies it. I think you see it. When you look at it, the war that's coming, we shared it, not to get afraid, not to be anxious, but to be ready. It's coming. He goes on. He says, well, let's look at this. The signs of the Antichrist. There will be a faithful remnant. I love this. There's another article in here in the Charisma Magazine about the faithful remnant. It says, there will be a group that are not deceived. They're not so excited about pursuing evil. But then he says in 2B, this rebellion that he calls out in the Greek, it's called apostasia, departure, falling away, abandonment. Many within the professing church will depart from biblical truth doctrinally and morally. Is that happening today? I'm not going to call out any denominations, but it is is truly saddening of what's going on. They have taken this book and they're rewriting it or ignoring it. You can't do that. And so that apostasy is the rebellion that he warned would come, many within the professing church. But he says, The taking out of the way, that which is the restraining influence against this lawlessness. It was interesting. Look at note there. I just put in a note in the middle of it. There are two grammatical terms out of 2 Thessalonians 2. One is that, he goes, what is restraining? That's neutral. It's a what. But then he goes on and says, he, and that's personal. He goes on and says, he who is now restraining is masculine. Now, there are commentaries that say they believe that's the rapture of the church, that that which is the born-again believers who are believing in Christ are taken out of the way, and then all the influence of the church and righteousness is all of a sudden lifted off, and bad things start happening. Could be. It also could be righteous government. It also could be the church itself. I'm not saying I know what it is, but there is a what and there's a who. And it could be all three. And of course, in the rapture, you would hope all three <laughs> are out of here. The church is righteous, right? And they're filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm just saying, there is something right now, the man of sin has not been revealed. There's all these are saying that might be him, that might be him, and that this book says all this stuff has to happen first before he's revealed. And I think it's going to catch a lot by surprise as to who it might be. The Holy Spirit's sin-restraining ministry is carried out largely by the church believers in places of influence. Some scholars believe that the removal of the restrainer is the parousia or the rapture of the church that we spoke of or read in First Thessalonians 4. The Antichrist does lying signs and wonders and sits in the temple and declares himself to be God. He uses every kind of evil deception. Let your mind wander for a minute. Every kind of evil deception. Jesus writes that if it wasn't shortened, even the very elect would be deceived. Now, you could postulate on some of this, like what would every evil deception look like? Lying Signs and Wonders. We know from the book of Revelation, we're going to study this. Um, I'm going to do eight Wednesday nights on the book of Revelation. I just felt led to do that the first uh, January and February, second Wednesday, uh, beginning. It's one of the few books, one of my elders says, you know, when you read that book of Revelation, everybody, everybody gets blessed if you read it publicly, right? Well, we're going to read it publicly. We're going to study it. We're going to look at the seven churches and uh, look at those who actually occurred. But we're also going to look at what is coming in that. So we'll take eight Wednesday nights, the first uh, January and February, and we'll look at that. But this is that place where the, if it wasn't shortened, the very elect, well, what does lying signs and wonders? Book of Revelation says he stands on earth and he calls fire from the sky. They're going to think it's Elijah. They'll probably think Malachi chapter 4 has occurred. Elijah has come back in the flesh. But it's going to be a lying sign and wonder. Now, what if it was one of your family members who needed a miracle and a lying sign and wonder occurred? It, we, know that we know, we have seen this in Macumba, San La Muerte. They go in places like Argentina and Brazil and Mozambique. These places where they go to the witch doctor and they have already participated in witchcraft... They get a sickness or spirit of infirmity comes on them. Then they go to the witch doctor and they pray and they do some kind of ritual, throw some chicken blood on them, and and they get healed. What happens is you get a a greater depth of the lying sign and wonder. When that happens on a large scale, there's going to be this move that, and this is where the church probably comes under major persecution. We already know the things, the mark of the beast. You guys could probably go and figure this out, right? The chip already exists. Some of you put it in your animals already, right? That chip that will be able to come, and you're not going to be able to buy or sell. I mean, technology has set this whole thing up right now. So when you see these things start to happen, Jesus says, you better start looking up. Watch out. Get ready. Get ready. Number three, the good news is he defeats the Antichrist with the breath of his mouth. I like that. It's like, whew, <laughs> he's dead. He's, it's over, right? But there is a scripture. I don't, I've told several, I don't like this scripture, but it's in there, so I've got to embrace it. Daniel says there'll be a season when the Antichrist is allowed to wear out the saints. There will be a season, and part of it is God and His goodness there's this coming on the earth. He's going to allow the enemy some time, but in the midst of that, there'll be a ferreting out of who are the real ones and who are not. He will defeat the Antichrist with the establishment of his kingdom, and the war will be over. Let's, let's take a look at that one. Turn with me. Um, let's go to Daniel chapter 12. The book of Daniel is, again, another amazing book, has the fulfillment of so much has already taken place. You know, the dreams that Nebuchadnezzar had, he prophesied the nations that would come, that would conquer those. he, He prophesied the Greeks, the Persians. He prophesied the Roman Empire. He gets all that right. And then in chapter, there's so much in chapter 9 and 10, where it says, Well, let's take a look at, let's go to a lot of the mysterious parts. Turn with me to chapter 7 for a minute. He explains this vision that he has. And in chapter 7 in verse 18, 15, he starts to explain the vision. But he says in verse 18, But in the end, the holy people of the Most High will be given the kingdom and they will rule forever and ever. Can I get an amen on that? That's you. That's me. We're going to rule and reign. It goes, 21, as I was watching, there was waging war against God's holy people and defeating them until the Ancient One, the Most High, came and judged in favor of His holy people. Then the time arrived for the holy people to take over the kingdom. So there's going to be a season, which could be part of the lying of the enemy's deception is, You pray, and maybe nothing happens. And then the Lord shows up and defeats the enemy. Wearing out of the saints, in verse 25, I speak these great words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and think to change times and laws, and they shall be given into his hand until the time and times and dividing of time. But the good news is we will rule and reign. Turn with me. There will be actually court in heaven. Turn to chapter to chapter 10. He goes on and he explains many things. Uh, one of the rabbis I spoke, uh, spoke to speaks that he believes the Isaiah 17 wars defined in Daniel chapter 9. We'll look at that. Let's take a look at verse 27. Daniel 9, 27 says, "...there will be a treaty with the people for a period of sets of seven. But after half this time, he will bring an end to the sacrifices and offerings. And at the climax of these terrible deeds, he will set up a sacrilegic object that causes desecration until the fate of the creed of the defiler is finally poured out. This is what Jesus was referencing when he said that desecration that will place, take place in the temple as one of the signs. Reader, take notice. So he prophesied what Daniel wrote 600 years before Christ was even born. We also know there was a desecration in 175 B.C., so 200 years before Christ, Antichus Epiphanes, one of the Greek kings who persecuted the Jews, he went and slaughtered a pig on the temple altar. But that's not what's referenced here because that's already taken place. So we see in this prophecy, turn with me to, let's just go right to chapter 12, Daniel fulfills this Talks about the tribulation wars, the time of the end in the chapter before, the time of the end will come. But then he calls in chapter 12, verse 1, the time of Michael, the archangel, who stands guard over your nation, Israel. He will rise. There will be a time of anguish greater than any since the nations first came into existence. But at the time... Every one of your people whose name is written in the book will be rescued. Many of those whose bodies lie dead and buried will rise up to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting disgrace. Those who are wise will shine as bright as the sky. And those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever. But you, Daniel keep this prophecy a secret seal up the book until the time of the end when many will rush here and there and knowledge will increase i'm told now knowledge is doubling every 21 months are we rushing everywhere there was not even a plane or a they had a donkey rushing around back in those days right Now we got pilots flying all over the place, right, Mike? (laughs) And so it's like, okay, there's another prophecy. Then I, Daniel, saw two others standing on the opposite banks. It goes on about the time and the time. When the look at verse, let's pick up in verse eight. I heard him say, I don't understand what is meant. So I asked, How will this finally end, my Lord? He said, Go now, Daniel. For what I have said is kept secret and sealed until the time of the end. Many will be purified, cleansed, and refined by these trials. But the wicked will continue in their wickedness, and none of them will understand. Only those who are wise will know what it means. From the time the daily sacrifice is stopped and the sacrilegious object that causes desecration is set up and worshipped, there will be 1,290 days And blessed are those who wait and remain until the end of those days. As for you, go your way until the end. You will rest. And then at the end of days, you will rise again to receive the inheritance that has been set aside for you. Whew! You ought to get excited. There's this place. But there's also a major warning. The love of pleasure... Is increasing. The secret evil that already draws us in is already at work. Only those who remain faithful will not be deceived. That's the warning. This is not casual grace. I'm speaking to all of us here. This is this place where you're going to have to stop and think about what you think about, what you say, what you watch, who you hang with, what you put in your body, what you allow to be done with your body. This is what the Lord says, look, this desire, we read it last week in Ezekiel, right? It says, the desire for absolute holiness. That's just scary. Now, I realize he's the righteous one. He declares us righteous. By faith in Christ, you've been saved. So, I want us to stand. I want to, I want to invite the ministry team to come forward. You can't have a message like this and not give an opportunity. I know we've had communion. But if you're here this morning and you're like, I don't know if I'm really, really ready. Or maybe you've been deceived. Maybe you've come out of some cult. Or you've been an agnostic. Well, I think God's a real, but I don't know anything personally about him. Or maybe you're an atheist you just don't believe there is a God. Maybe you got invited here or maybe you got dragged here. I don't know. But, but this would be an opportunity to just kind of seal. It says, if you look at the book of Revelation, the book of Daniel says, those whose names are written in the book. And there's a place here it says, the books shall be opened. On that day when judgment happens, says, the books will be opened. Well, how many books are there? I don't know. We do know there's a book of salvation, the Lamb's book of life, and whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. But there's probably a book of works. There's crowns that are given. But there may be other books. We do know that Malachi writes in chapter 3 that, there's a stenographer in heaven, those are my words. There's an angel who keeps record of the accounts of all those who love to talk about God. So every time you're down witnessing at Walmart, you're in the street witnessing to a friend, a coworker. there's an angel that's saying, tune the ear to that one who loves to tell about Christ himself. That gets written in your book, I believe, of works. Now that doesn't save you, but there's a place when he says, well done, Thou good and faithful servant. And he judges all of us based on our individual actions. He says every word will be judged. Those who are gossiping and slandering and destroying with their tongue, you need to just stop it. We say, well, you know, if I commit sin here and I do this, that's worse. No, no, no. This says, idolaters, gossipers, slanderers, the immoral. The homosexuals, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's the book. I'm sorry, it's in there. Therefore, we need to understand that that word is true, and you will be judged according. It's not, we're not angry and and hateful towards the sins of those. We we are towards the sin, but not towards the sinner, right? And so, God is a God of great grace, But if the rapture were to happen this afternoon during the football game, would you be ready? If not, I just invite you to come. It says if two or three of you will agree, it shall be done. So as we close this morning, I just want to invite you to come. I'm going to invite the worship team. If you come, just keys. Let's put the keys on. Let's just close our eyes for a minute and rethink what the Word told us this morning. The Word of God is full of living power, He tells us in Hebrews, and it's able to cut between the soul and the spirit realm. It reveals actually the intents of your heart. I love what Amber shared at communion. It's really about the heart of God and what we have towards other people. Can you love God with all your heart, and can you love your neighbor as yourself? So you have to love yourself. There has to be that identity in Christ we have to love God but honestly I'll admit before you this times when I love Tom more than I love God and he says I want you to learn to love me with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength with all your mind and then if you've been critical against a loved one a family member he says I want you to love your enemies God I have trouble with that I when I think of ISIS and all that, I mean, we'll stop them. But, God, I'm supposed to pray for my enemies. Lord, I got, a, I got a lot of logs in my eye. And I want those out. So this is a commitment to a walk towards the holy hill. Asking God in Psalms, David writes, Come up to the hill of the Lord clean hands and a pure heart there's none in here that have a pure heart yet it's only it says when when we see him we'll be like him there's none that are sinless God I ask that you do a work in us oh God that would prepare us for what's coming Lord as a watchman, Lord, I want us to be able to have that revelation so that none will be lost. There will be a remnant. There'll be a remnant that is so focused on the love of God and the revelation of who you are that we don't even love ourselves unto death. If you call us to martyrdom at that time, if we're still here, then God empower us to be able to never renounce faith in Christ. That's a love that is so great. In Revelation 12 it says we've overcome by the blood of the Lamb the word of our testimony and we didn't love ourselves even unto death. That's a revelation that is so deep. God, I pray that there would be a remnant that loves you so much that they don't love this life more than they love you. I thank you for all the blessings you have poured out innumerable blessings on this nation help us not to trust in horses and chariots and military might I, I love what general mattis said yesterday i love these leaders we honor herbert walker bush and we honor our leaders and what they stood for and how they did they paid sacrifice he flew 40 something or 52 something combat missions shot down served our country not perfect men. But God, I pray the blessings do not overshadow the fact that you're the source of all the blessings, lest we lose sight of that. Because when those blessings are taken out of the way, it may be one of the signs and wonders of the lying spirit. God, help us not to be immature or ignorant of these things. Help us to be wise beyond our years. And recognizing that the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit one, is the one who will reveal these truths to us. Make it specific and make it personal. I pray for this body of believers, God. And now I invite all those who, maybe you've wandered off. It's a day to recommit. Or you've never committed. But if the rapture were to come today and you're not sure you're on the first out of here, then I encourage you to come. Lord, I thank you now that you shine your face upon each family that's represented here, every child, every grandchild, every spouse, every marriage. Lord, I pray a blessing on the businesses, all the Josephs and the Josephines with that anointing to create wealth and business. Lord, I pray blessing now, Lord. For those in the private sector and in the government sector. I thank you for what you're doing this week, Lord. We come in agreement that you're going to heal the land in this location. This is our land. This is where our children and grandchildren live. This is where we pay our taxes. This is where we come to worship. This is where we stand. God, I ask that you'd open up heaven this week. And you would amaze us. We call to you we thank you now, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. God bless you all. Come if you need prayer. Don't leave here today. God bless you all. Remember, Wednesday nights, no more until the second week in January. But Thursday night, 7 o'clock, come. If you haven't registered, register.